I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's a new season. It's a new show. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Yeah, welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with their friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Should be a lot of fun today on the show. And uh, it's actually my first time with Anthony in studio. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's quite the honor. <laughs> It, uh, have you ever been to Great Lakes Dragway? I have not. Well, this would be an excellent time to get out there this weekend because the weather's going to be fantastic, and uh, they're going to be running both days out there this weekend, and then on Sunday they're going to do the all-day drifting, uh, which is kind of an interesting uh, subject, especially pertaining to Great Lakes Dragway. We had uh, Roy Henning on when we were doing our remote a couple weeks ago at uh, Napa and uh, Highway 100 and Layton Avenue, and he was saying uh, the drifting uh, concept kind of came up on its own where the they had some drifters coming up and they were they had some uh they've been putting in a lot a lot of pavement and tarmac at the at for in the pit areas and whatnot uh at great lakes dragway and they said would you mind if we did some drifting and they kind of did it as a favor to have some kids come in do some drifting and it's grown uh, so much that they're it's pretty much uh they're doing a whole day of it tomorrow at great lakes dragway so you're if, if you're a drifting fan make sure you get out there uh, all day Sunday tomorrow, and like I said, a uh, beautiful day today to get out there and see some drag racing, and they'll be running until the snow flies at Great Lakes Dragway, so it should be a lot of fun out there. Uh, should be a fun show. We're gonna have uh, we're just this is just gonna be a quick short segment here, and then we'll have uh, we'll get Dennis Michelson on from Race Talk Radio here. We'll talk uh, the latest uh, what of what's happening up at uh, Kansas Speedway this weekend, where Matt Kenseth uh, took the pole. I believe that is his 18th pole of his career, his first pole of the of the year this year, and uh, it should be interesting, especially with what happened with uh, Matt last year. I still say it was Joy Logano's stupidest move uh, when he took out Matt Kenseth, who was leading, uh, dominating the race, and uh, Logano was at his peak at that time also last year, and he, he took out Kenseth uh, to, in order to win the race, in which uh, he could have finished second. So in that segment, he would have finished first, second, and first. He ended up finishing first, first, first. But when uh, when the teams uh, got to Martinsville a couple of races later, Kenseth uh, took him out and pretty much eliminated him from the chase. 
in which, in my thinking, is if he let uh, Ken Seth win the race, Logano would have been on his way to his first NASCAR championship, but that's just my humble opinion. So it should be a fun show with uh, Dennis coming on here in the next segment. And then at the bottom of the hour, I have Tony DeZeno. We'll find out the latest uh, what's happening in IndyCar silly season. A lot of stuff happening this week uh, in IndyCar with uh, manufacturers moving between teams and some driver changes. And then we'll also talk at the top of the hour at 1 o'clock. We'll talk to NBC Sports uh, Formula One analyst David Hobbs. We'll get the latest with uh, the happening, uh, all the happenings in Formula One. And then at the bottom of the hour, we'll talk to Eddie Lapine at RacingNation.com, and he'll get us up to date with uh, Audi, who is leaving the Endurance Racing Championship uh, Series, in uh, the, which runs uh, in the U.S. here and then also in Europe predominantly. And it's a pretty uh, – they've had a pretty good run at it, to, to say the least. And uh, there's some rumors, and we'll talk to David about this too. Uh, there's some rumblings about Audi actually coming into Formula One in 2018 with Red Bull, which would be a pretty interesting. Uh, and it actually would be a marriage. It kind of makes sense since they're both based in Austria. So should be a fun show. We were going to have John Fitzpatrick on, but we had uh, we were double booked uh, with uh, Derek Bell, who is a famous uh, auto racing star in Europe. Uh, it's his birthday party today. And uh, John is in Europe, and he was going to call us. But 2 o'clock... Uh, our time is, uh, or 1 o'clock our time, I should say, is uh, actually 7 o'clock in London, and that is when the peak everybody's getting there for. I guess that's a surprise birthday party for Derek Barrow, so hopefully he's not listening in uh, on the show today. So what we'll do is we'll take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back after the break, we'll talk to Dennis Michelson of Race Talk Radio. You are listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure you get out there as and uh, take uh, take a look at all the changes and uh, updates that are happening out there. And then also our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Yeah, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is my friend and yours, Dennis Michelson from Race Talk Radio. Welcome to the show, Dennis. Mr. Steve Zocchi, how are you doing this fine Saturday? I am doing excellent. The weather is great. We got a little bit of cloud cover up here, and I'm I'm assuming you have the same. But uh, the temperature, you can't complain. Uh, with uh, middle mid October, with uh, temperatures uh, touching seventy degrees. Yeah, temperatures aren't bad. It is gray and kind of damp here, but uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's a treat. I just wish there was more racing, although Rockford Speedway has their Bahama Brackets this weekend, so that'll be exciting. Cool. Uh, i got a question for you. Um, you know, a lot of us, uh, a lot of listeners, of course, they get their racing off of TV, and, of course, we always encourage uh, our listeners to get out to the local short tracks to see some great uh, short track racing locally. But uh, a, lot, a lot of people watch it on TV, NASCAR, of course. And I wanted to get your feedback because um, I don't think we've spoken about the 
the team up of uh, Rick Allen, Jeff Burton, and uh, Steve Letarte so far this year. What says you on that? Yeah, yeah, I think they're doing a pretty good job. The only thing that I will notice about their performance is they do a really good job of telling you what is on the TV screen, but they don't always catch what's going on elsewhere on the track. Yeah. One of the reasons that I've always liked the Fox guys is because at least one of the Fox reporters seems to be watching the big track, you know, watching the action on the track and not on the monitor. And, you know, in the past I've seen cases that ESPN was, was really bad about this, where it was almost like they, you know, they had the windows to the booth spray-painted black so they couldn't see out. <laughs> and all they could see was on the monitor. We can see what's going on on the monitor. What we want to know is if there's a wreck somewhere else around the track. And that's the only criticism that I have. And a few times this year, Rick Allen has almost sounded confused by what's going on with uh, pit road sequences. Um, but other than that, they're they're a very solid announcing team. Just um, a few criticisms along the way. Yeah, I think, and, and that's one thing about Twitter I think that it's evolving, thankfully, and uh, there's a lot of people who would go to football games or whatnot, and they'd be aping basically what we're seeing on on screen, which does us no good. We don't care. We don't care that you know, you know, Joe Blow ran you know off tackle for three yards. Uh, we we want to know what's happening that what we can't see, and and the one thing where Twitter really excels, especially during football, and and compared to the useless sideline reporters that they have. Is a lot of times, well, we'll, you'll get updates on Twitter about injuries and guys that have left the game, or just guys that have left the game. Period. That the TV guys aren't aren't talking about, and that's one thing. When I'm at a racetrack and if I'm in the pits or something, I'm trying to out try and tweet stuff that you know that the TV viewer might be you know might not not be aware of, especially towards, you know, the, the guys running towards the rear, not, you know, the back markers or even saying, you know, so-and-so is off the track. Cause a lot of times uh, a driver will be running laps or that. And then, you know, boom, he's off track. And I like to know why, you know, you know, Hey, you know, so-and-so uh, you know, GT Spencer, you know, just blew an engine or something. GC Spencer. I should say. Yeah. There, there <laughs> used to be a pretty good job by a couple of the guys up in the press box of basically telling you who is coming on pit road at any given time. And I found that very interesting. I also like to follow uh, the team and mm-hmm. get an idea of what the, the strategy was at that particular pit stop. They'll never tell you before the pit stop that, oh, we're only doing two, two tires. But afterwards, they'll say, you know, only took two tires on this stop to track position. And they'll sometimes even come on and say, uh, tracks or tires we removed from the car looks good, so no, right. no excessive wear. So you you sometimes pick up a lot from the teams that you don't from the announcing group. And what I find really idiotic are the number of people, and there's a ton of them that aren't even at the track, and they are just regurgitating lap by lap what's going on on right. on their TV screen. It's one thing if you have a comment about a move that is made. It's another just to give uh, a yep. constant play-by-play from what you're seeing on your screen. Right. And uh, you, of course, we, we can find you at Twitter and where? Uh, Race Talk Radio is where uh, I, I do that. And also, 
I encourage you uh, for a little bit of added humor and enjoyment of the races to add Thunder Crew and also uh, add war-wagon.com. Uh, Lori Monroe often has some interesting things to say as well. And, of course, my Twitter is uh, Steve Zotke, uh, at Steve Zotke, Z as in zebra, A-U-T as in Tom, K, King, E, Edward. I was looking for followers. I'm not up by the Kardashian range or even Race Talk Radio's range, but getting there slowly <laughs> but surely. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we've been pretty happy with our number of Twitter <laughs> followers. And if we ever figured out how we got to this many followers, we'd probably sell that advice. Steve Letard, is his voice just a little irritating? You know, I don't care. Um, this is like the criticism of Larry Mack for sounding like a Southern guy. I don't care. I want them for their expertise. Okay. It's not like he's got a voice that is uh, like the, you know, fingers on a chalkboard where it just, you know, repulses you like some of the NASCAR writers that they have on Sirius XM radio from time to time uh, <laughs> who shouldn't be doing radio ever. Um, but Steve Letard has an easy enough li- voice to listen to, and he's not, a, he's not supposed to be a TV guy. He's what he is, which right. is a crew chief. It's his expertise that you have him on there for, not for his ability to sing karaoke or be entertaining. Right. Well, and and I hope he doesn't go the way of Larry Mack, though, who was there for you, – you, you're there to tell us about the cars, what's happening on the mechanical side. And Larry Mack, I think and, – and granted, part of that was because the evolution of the cars went away and he didn't stay up with it. But I want Steve Letarte to tell me, you know, stuff that I don't know about the cars or why crew. And he does do that, but there's a few times I wish he, I, I wish he'd get a little more technical and I hope it, that's not the producers telling them to dumb it down. But I, I, I really enjoy that. And, that, and I know I mentioned this earlier in the year about Jeff Gordon. The, the difference between Jeff Gordon last year and Jeff Gordon this year was, was huge and I, what I loved about Jeff Gordon in the first half of the season on Fox was he was telling me a lot of stuff I didn't know about what drivers are feeling and stuff and, and why a, a driver or somebody may have done something. Or or if drivers are getting mad at each other, what we see in the track looks normal or something, and Jeff Gordon would, go, would get into the nuances, and that is so important. And that's, that's where you really separate the, the average uh, color commentators to the really good ones, I think. When they announced that Jeff Gordon was going to be doing commentary, you know, years ago when they announced that Rusty Wallace was going to be doing TV, I got excited. And then Rusty Wallace was absolutely awful. My expectations for Jeff Gordon, because his voice has been at times sort of annoying with his speech pattern and his tendency to stutter a little bit when he's doing interviews, I thought, oh, He's not going to be good at this. He's he's just going to be, you know, living off the name, and, and he's not going to be good. I was so wrong about Jeff Gordon. I have enjoyed him so much. And what I love that they brought out in their broadcast is is what a driver is thinking, you know, and, and this, this concept of especially when there's a run-in between two guys. And Jeff Gordon is so good at sort of giving a little feel to the personality of what goes on behind the scenes between drivers and, and just his insight on, on moves made on the track and, 
and everything else that's going on. He has been a superstar, but he's also worked so well with the other announcers, and I did not expect that at all. There was a story about, you know, you mentioned stuttering, and um, I just read a book uh, by John Fitzpatrick, and we were going to have him on, but unfortunately <clears throat> we were uh, double booked with something else. But we'll have John on again uh, hopefully later in the month here. But there's <laughs> a funny story he's got in there because he was a team owner and a driver, and they had a, a they had one of their Porsches got wadded up in uh, Europe by a driver named Dudley Moore, and he tells the story where he's he's really worried about you know the car, because I mean the car is a total write-off. He and this car is wadded up, and and he goes sees you know he sees his wife, and he's all worried about you know what condition he's in. She goes, well the car is trash, and and Dudley Dudley's banged up a little bit, but it it cured his stuttering. <laughs> so he, he was because Fitzpatrick was saying we we were having such a hard time finding out what was in during practice and qualifying what was happening with the car because nobody could understand what he was saying, you know, what a full-face helmet and everything, and he's stuttering and stammering. But after the accident, apparently, he cured his stuttering. So, You know, they, they, that'll happen in a big-time wreck, <laughs> you know, and knock, knocks you right into next Tuesday or uh, or just clears up your speech pad, and that's funny. I did tease it uh, in the opening segment here about uh, the Kansas Speedway race this weekend, of course, Last year, this was the scene of the crime of uh, Joey Logano and Matt Kenseth getting in into into it last year. And I always say that you know Joey Logano basically lost a championship there uh, by wrecking Kenseth. And uh, I wonder if you you kind of agree with that synopsis. Yeah, he had nothing to gain, yet everything to lose in making an enemy. And you know, I think what he what he was thinking at the point of time is, I want to to basically win this race so nobody else can advance. And I also think it had something to do with the fact that Kenseth's got such a mild-mannered reputation. He's not one that, you know, you really think of when you think of a dirty driver out there. So I don't think that Logano made the, the judgment that, oh, you know, if I rough him up a little bit, as long as I don't wreck him intentionally, I just rough him up a little. I'm okay. Well, he found out the following week at Martinsville just how ticked off, uh, or a couple weeks later at Martinsville, and it mattered, you know, when it counted. And uh, Kenseth had the perfect opportunity to take him out and, uh, you know, make a statement. And, you know, that's, I think, changed the mindset of a lot of these guys going forward. They realize if they do something dastardly that they're probably going to be on a payback. because in this format, you can't afford to make enemies. The surface at um, Kansas is getting nice and weathered in. Uh, are we going to see better racing tomorrow? I think we are. Um, I also think the weather might uh, help out if it's uh, you know a decently warm day. We might get a nice uh, slick track and, and get that second groove coming in. This is not been one of my favorite tracks as far as great racing action. I actually think Chicago weathered in better than Kansas Speedway did, but um, I think we have the potential to see some okay racing. The the thing that's got me this year, Z, is that I I look at what we see in NASCAR, and they're getting single file so quick. There's no effort to put on a battle side by side and whether that's not having the engine power to finish a pass 
whether that's the arrow not allowing you to do that, whether it's the tire not being such that you can find multiple grooves or whether it's the track or whether it's the whole combination of the package. The only exciting racing we really tend to get on these speedways nowadays is the first three laps after a restart. And then everything gets really single file and drawn out. Now, I wouldn't be shocked to see one rabbit out there again this week. Um, the tires don't seem to be wearing off, you know, so I think you could have somebody go out there and run just like a jackrabbit and put a lot of people down a lap. So I'm hoping we see a decent race, but I'm not very encouraged. And one of my biggest problems with this rule package, and I've been preaching on it for the last two years, they had the utmost of great racing at the Speedways in 2014, and they reacted by taking power away from these guys. And when they took the power away, guys have had a hard time making the pass. Think of yourself on the interstate, and you are trying to come up uh, behind a guy who's just a few miles an hour you know, slower than you are, and you got the cruise control set at 65 to be within the speed limit. That long, slow pass that you make on him is going to be tough to make. And it's the same way in NASCAR. You take away power, and it's that long, slow pass. And with these cars nowadays, and with the tires, and with the tracks, and the speeds they're racing, and the risk-reward of a wreck being so high on the risk side instead of the reward side, you get guys not willing to lean on somebody to make that pass. And you can't make any contact at all because you wrinkle in one fender and you're done for the day. So I don't like this current rule package for many reasons. One of them is this lack of power to be able to, to be able to get on the throttle and take a chance at making the pass coming off the corner. You're just restricted so much. It's like never taking off the cruise control. It's a long, slow pass and you run out of time. Well, I, I do like your strategy of a rabbit running out ahead because that would make perfect sense with somebody who could do that, and one of the teams that could do that is definitely Joe Gibbs Racing, and it would make sense for Denny Hamlin to, to do that this weekend. Well, it would also make sense for Matt Kenseth to do it because he'll be uh, having the track position at the start of the race. So um wouldn't be shocked to see uh, Kenseth just absolutely go out there and, and try to you know, put the hammer down and put as many guys down a lap as they can. Joe Gibbs Racing definitely at the speedways has seemed to have an advantage, and especially at these more moderately banked tracks, um, they really seem to have the advantage over the rest of the field. So I, I would think their Joe Gibbs Racing team is a really good pick this weekend. Uh, I have a great bit of trivia here. Who won the first poll at Kansas First poll in Kansas. Two thousand one. I I thought it was somebody bizarre like Joe Nemechek. Jason Leffler. Jason Leffler. I knew it was somebody that was not normal to, to win that. All <laughs> I remember of qualifying and I was there for the race is that Mike Skinner had a pretty nasty crash. Um and he did so right down by me, which was nice of him uh to, to give me a good picture of that. Well, I think but, you better uh, post that on Facebook. I mean I'm going to make you go digging for that now. <laughs> That's several computers ago, so uh, <laughs> it, it might be tough. To it might be lost on one of those old hard drives, huh? 
Yeah, several cameras ago, too. So it wasn't quite as crisp the image that everybody is used to nowadays. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of the of all the USAC guys, and Jason Leffler was one of my favorites. Good guy, and we certainly miss him. Uh, what's the latest happening at uh, Race Talk Radio? Well, we're having another uh, wonderful uh, week here coming up. Uh, last week, we did something a little bit different. We had uh, two folks that that died uh, recently that we wanted to honor in kind of a special way. Uh, of course, we talked about the loss of Brock Yates here on the show last week. Also lost Tony Adamowitz, one of the uh, true legends in road racing, but also one of the true nice guys of racing. If you want to try a project, and I, I, I don't encourage you to do so because it would be a terrible waste of time, but if you want to go and try to find somebody who has something negative to say about Tony A to Z, uh, I think it would be a fun project because I don't think you'd ever be able to find it. One of the nicest guys. And so we featured two throwback interviews with Tony uh, last week, along with a uh, feature of uh, with VP Fields this past week. Coming up this week, we're going to tell folks about a company that is helping uh, folks get into the motorsports business. So uh, that's coming up on Thursday night on Race Talk Radio. And, of course, we've got our usual Tuesday night Thunder Crew with Mike Laurie and myself talking NASCAR with an honesty you won't get anywhere else except on the final inspection. Of course, we were talking with Dennis Michelson of Race Talk Radio and the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Give me a winner uh, this weekend at, at Kansas. Just Cup. I like Kansas. Okay. I'd really like Matty K. I think uh, Matt the Brat's going to get it done this week. All right. Well, we appreciate it as always, Dennis, and uh, we will chat with you uh, next week. Sounds good, Z-Man. All right. Thank you, Dennis. You, you've you been listening to Dennis Michelson on the Grace Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. Visit greatmidwestbank.com. They're ready when you are. When we come back, we'll be talking with Tony DeZino from NBC Sports Network, and uh, we'll be talking IndyCar Silly Season. You've been listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on the web at MILWCAR.com. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is from NBC Sports, Tony DeZino. How are you doing, sir? Good, Z-Man. And uh, for the first time in what seems like an eternity, I don't think there's going to be a ton of background noise from various tracks. So uh, <laughs> good, good, to be, good, good to be home for a one weekend. Yeah, it's good to be home, huh? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what what this actually looks like. I mean, there's there's color on the leaves. You know, there's there's leaves on the ground. You know, it's not seventy anymore. So, oh, it's on we go. seventy. It's great. So last week you were in Los Angeles, and uh, 
I actually got to see a little bit of your event, and that's the uh, – let, let me see if I get this right. The Red Bull GRC, right? Nailed it, yep. All right. Tell, tell us about that a little bit. It was, Yeah, it's, um, so it's a different style of racing. It's kind of – this will sound worse than I intended to, but it's kind of like the racing for the ADD generation where it's, it's so super fast and – with only 10 lap finals, you know, it's very quick. It's, uh, it's kind of point and shoot, a lot of great action, no pit stops, uh, no driver changes, just straight up banging of doors, you know, between, you know, drivers from Volkswagen and Honda and Ford and Subaru. And, you know, there's the jump in there, there's a dirt section. It's a really short course. You can see pretty much all the track from, from the grandstand. Uh, this week was, was the season finale and it, to be honest, it almost felt like an IndyCar weekend in some regards because you got Michael Andretti's team, you had Brian Hurtis' team, Chip Ganassi's team, or a couple other IndyCar people of note kind of milling around, just kind of getting the lay of the land. And uh, fun, fun battle for the championships. Uh, Scott Speed won the uh, won the Supercar title, his second straight over Tanner Faust, and then uh, a kid called Cabot Bigham went from last to first in the last race of the year to win the lights title for, for Dennis Reinbold's team that uh, they ran Sage Karam in the Indy 500, but they've had a full season program uh, over there in the GRC lights division. So fun weekend, um, definitely outside the ordinary. And, uh, you know, if you, if the schedule allows, hopefully get to more than one or two next year. Yeah, it, it, it was a neat event. It looked well on the, on TV. And of course it was held at Long Beach, but not where mm-hmm. the, uh, not on Shoreline Drive where they hold the Grand Prix, but, I guess I see it. I always get turned around up there. I want to say it was north, but it actually is not north. Uh, west. It's actually um, west. Port of Port, yeah, right. Port of L.A. So there's a, a bridge just off of, uh, of Ocean Boulevard and Shoreline Drive. It's like you're, you're coming in and you're thinking, okay, where's the transporters? You know, and it's like, wait a minute, you're going west. It just, it, you know, you get all turned around. The time year's weird. Uh, not being there in April, you're going there in October. So, um, but that's kind of that's the series uh, headquarters is in LA. That's kind of their their tentpole marquee event. So, um, they they really did a good job with it. And, and for the first time in three times I'd, I'd been to one, it actually didn't rain. So, so that was good too. That was uh, it's always nice when you go to an event and it's not it's not rain drenched. It will be interesting to see um, how this series develops in that because we've been saying for years that NASCAR needs to uh, needs to shorten. Uh, some of their races and whatnot, and and show them in the smaller windows, especially for TV and whatnot. And, and then we have you know what happened in baseball the other day, where they actually had the longest nine inning game ever. So, I'm I'm told there was actually just another pitching <laughs> change uh, in the top. So um, it's still it's still going. We're up to seven pitchers in the top of the inning now. So uh, on, on we go. That was that was surreal. I mean, I, I think I don't know if they were trying. Dusty was trying to, to match the number of pitchers to the top of the inning. I think it was the top of the seventh, and they used six pitchers, and it was just like, why? How is this happening? So that was uh, that was intense. It was it was uh, this week, of course, uh, a lot of news in IndyCar. Um, trying oh, to figure out which one was bigger, and they both involved Ganassi. I guess one was a non-news story, I guess, because nothing really... I, well, I guess something did happen, but Tony Kanaan is staying with uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. However, they are switching from Chevy to Honda. Yep, um, it's official. It's uh, been rumored. It's, uh, it's interesting because... Honda's obviously really, really, really tired of getting their their butts handed to them. Uh, they only won twice this past year, and they need a team that can really 
on the engineering side and the driver's side pull it back to where they were with Penske because Ganassi kind of fell behind this year. I mean, Scott Dixon finished sixth in the points, and the last time that happened, George W. Bush was still in the White House. So that was 11 years ago and in 2005. Um, suffice to say, it doesn't happen often. Um, but what that does is it produces a bit of a, a power shift where suddenly now you'd have 15 Honda cars, which meant that inevitably two to three teams uh, or two to three cars for sure would need to switch uh, switch engines the other way to go from, from Honda to Chevrolet. It's not official, but we, we've talked about this before for the last couple of weeks. Foyt will move, too. Um, so there's there's a lot moving, and it's interesting. You know, this is probably, I would say, my sixth full-time season, 10th or 11th overall, you know, doing a part-time deal. And I cannot remember a silly season where in the last month you've had 10, 12 major announcements of note. It, it's just been it's been relentless, and uh, you, you go offline for a few minutes, and uh, and it all changes. So, so interesting times to say the it, least. And what's interesting is there's still a lot of dominoes still in place to move, and we can talk about that mm-hmm. uh, when we come back after the break. So it should be a lot lot of fun coming up at, in IndyCar. We're of course talking to Tony Dezino from NBC Sports on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. What we'll do, we'll take a quick break here, and we'll come back with Tony, and we'll get the latest in, in IndyCar, and we'll talk uh, who knows what what else in the world of racing. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and the Milwaukee Area and Apple Auto Care Association on the web at milwcar.com. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Yeah, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Tony Dezino. Welcome back, Tony. Appreciate you spending time with us. Uh, we were just yeah, talking about uh, Ganassi and uh, the movements there. Uh, the other one is uh, Andretti is coming back with four cars. So are mm-hmm. we going to, I guess the one one car is still up for play, and we don't know where Marco's going to be within the team, I guess, is the way we should say it, right? Um, no, that's pretty well established that he's still going to be in the 27 HH Greg entry. Um, there may be a strategist change there. Um, Michael has of course been on the box for him, but I've heard of a couple names in consideration that could, that could be changed. I don't think Brian Herta will, will be that, that change because, uh, they've tried to keep the 98 crew together. Um, Alexander Rossi will have a new engineer next year though. Uh, Jeremy Millis, who was, uh, uh, Joseph Newgarden's engineer at Carpenter Racing shifted over there, um, and really where Andretti looks like they've they've improved a lot is in their their engineering department. Uh, way too much this year. They were just out to lunch and really struggled uh, in qualifying. They they weren't able to to dial in setups. All their qualifying averages were outside the top ten. Uh, it was just a really really tough year on the engineering side. Uh, what I wonder about is is the fourth car. Um, Carlos Munoz was their highest finishing driver in the points this year, but he's not he's not guaranteed back. He's linked to two other teams. Uh, he needs he's talented enough to where he needs to land somewhere because right now, along with his, his countryman Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, I would say those are those are easily the two top free agents at the moment. And then uh, Connor Daly's another question mark. Where does he land? Um, there's been so many dominoes that have already fallen that now it kind of gets the tier two of 
you know, now that now we're down to, you know, six or seven seats and suddenly there's, there's not, there's not that copious amount of people that uh, there's not as many seats as, as there are drivers uh, trying to fill them. I'm going to put you in a spot here. Let's sure. say, let's say my Toyota goes to Foyt or Munoz okay. uh, and you got another car, you got the 41 car uh, and you have the choice between Connor Daly and Sage Karam. Who'd you put in there? Connor. And I don't mean that as an as a slight to Sage. Um, I think Sage has higher upside, but I also think he wouldn't be as consistent on the equipment as as Connor would be. I think Connor Connor's in that point where he needs that second year uh, to continue his growth and progression. Because as we've seen with Sage and with Gabby and with Tristan Vodier and, and name your other Indy Lights champion du jour down the line, if you don't get that second year, you're out of sight, out of mind, and you're scrapping for for that second. That uh, you know the occasional Indy 500 drive part time, you know three or four race program. Uh, I think Connor's in a position where he's got enough brand recognition within the sport, both from a, a marketability standpoint. Uh, you know, with Newgarden going to, to Penske, I, I don't know think you're going to see the same level of you know goofy videos. And I think if you want, if you need to have something as much for throughout the year, I think Connor's a, a good bet for that. Uh, I'd like to see Sage back, but I'm not sure. Unless Ed Carpenter would would crazily take a chance on him, and I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't know where he fits it at this point. It's a, it's a tough call. Uh, speaking of uh, Newgarden, he was part of that Gateway test that they had, and mm-hmm. of course Gateway is going to be on the schedule next year, uh, which is good. And on, uh, you can't have enough ovals, in my opinion, on the IndyCar schedule. What uh, what happened at the test? Anything noteworthy? Um, decent test. It was a second chance for a couple of new new combinations. This was uh, Joseph's first oval running. Of course, he tested at Road America with the team on on Monday earlier this week. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais had his first test back with the Dale Coin Boys. Um, they had two thirds of their new engineering staff there. Uh, Michael Cannon, who is uh, who's site lead engineer on the second car, and then. Uh, Craig Hampson, who was with Andretti, is, is now Bordet's lead engineer. The uh, Bordet's primary guy at, at KVSH uh, will join later this month. Um, so they did well. Tony Kanon was was first uh, first of the Ganassi guys to run the Honda, so that was a switch. And then I think Graham was there, Marco was there, Ed was there. I think I'm blanking on a seventh, but uh, there were seven drivers from seven teams. Uh, a lot of running track surfaces is kind of old, little aging, hasn't had IndyCar level downforce on it for a good 13, 14 years. But I talked to a couple people from the track over throughout this year, and they, they are stoked. I mean, they are they're really excited to have them back. And it's another, I mean, obviously we're, we're biased here, but it's another close Midwest oval, and you need as many of those as you can get. Um, I also like the fact that it's a Saturday race. Um, I think it's going to be a Saturday. I don't know if they've, they've they haven't given the start time yet, but it would make sense to be a Saturday night race, and I think that would, I think that would look really good, provided it happens. I, I, I hope I'm not going too too much inside baseball here with you, but uh, I was just thinking about that with with uh, them already running a Honda uh, for for Ganassi. Mm-hmm. What what is do we know how how they how they do that transition with the engine leases uh, between you know how quickly are they moved out or how 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 they do that. Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, and I talked with Mike Hole at the Petit Le Mans uh, sports car finale for IMSA a couple weeks ago, and he said that, you know, at, at the end of the season, you're always stripping the cars. You're kind of doing a teardown process. Um, but what you have to do in this case, it's not it's not a straight 
you know, it's a big change to, to go basically tear the whole second half of the, you know, the back half of the mm-hmm. car up, re-put the, uh, put the Honda lump in the back. And also, you know, you have to acquire, you have to go out and then acquire all the Honda Aero uh, to go along with that. So I did do a bit of a double take because I was so used to seeing the, the car with the Chevrolet front wing on it that to then see the Honda front wing, it, I was, I, it took me a second to be like, oh, yeah, right, they switch. And actually, are, it, it seems the fact that they could get a car out this quickly um, makes it seem as though this has been in the works for a lot longer because mm-hmm. I don't think you can get you can get that, that switched on that fast to, to announce it on whatever it was late, I think Friday last week, and then you're testing within five, six days later. So, I mean, that's an impressive effort from that team to, to turn it around that quick. But um, and they're going to have even more testing coming up. I think Scott Dixon tests next week at Phoenix, uh, another Firestone test. So that'll be his first first crack at it too. So there's been planning to, to make this happen if you're going to be testing that quickly uh, after the change. Because I mean, Foyt Foyt's one of two teams that didn't test, and you know it's because they don't have an official signed contract yet. So so it's they're, they're a little behind in the testing process uh, as a result. I wanted to talk about Gateway. I don't know how you you were down there for Gateway. For the test. I've, no, I've never I've never been there. I just I talked to a number of people uh, who were at the who are at the test. Um, I'm looking forward to going down there. Uh, I've never been before. It's uh it's got a, it's an interesting track. I mean, it's similar to Milwaukee in that it's it's flat. Uh, it's got the three four complexes the the open radius one or two is the tighter radius. Um, passing should be better into one and two, I would guess, just because you're going to be breaking more there. Whereas with three and four, it's, it might get a bit processional. But uh, that being said, I think it should be—I think it should be a fun addition. Uh, it's in the midst of a three-in-a-row stretch. They'll go Pocono, they'll go Gateway, and what was the Texas makeup slot uh, this year, and then they'll go out to Watkins Glen the following week. So I think that'll be a good, uh, good stretch of events there. That's going to actually prove pretty, pretty important. Uh, when it comes to getting down to the championship uh, in 2017. It, it's really impressive what they've been able to do with that track because that, that was a track that was basically on life support. Basically, it mm-hmm. pretty much was in the same position that the mile is right now, so it would be interesting to see if, if that team is able to do that. Uh, I think it was very important for Gateway, and I, I think the only way for Milwaukee to survive is to somehow get a uh, a NASCAR race in uh not necessarily Xfinity, but at least a truck series race there to kind of get mm-hmm. some, uh, you know, people, you know, so I, you know, you and I love IndyCar and that and IndyCar's great series. And, but it would be to have a second series there also. And then that NASCAR name there, I think would do a long way to help Milwaukee. It'll be interesting to see with, uh, I think, was it Curtis Francois? Is the Curtis guy? Francois, yeah. yeah. That's, um, and I met the guy that's the number two there, Chris Blair. He was at the Indy 500 earlier this year, and that was that was where I kind of got an insight into some of the preparation that they're doing. I mean, they, this has been two, three years in the works, going back to when Ed Carpenter tested there for the first time to kind of gauge the feasibility. Could it work? And, and the amount of investment, you know, again, and, and you make a good point, they, they've kept the NASCAR race, I think, trucks only on the schedule mm-hmm. the last two, three years. I, I my last my lasting memory of Gateway is that that Brad Keselowski Carl Edwards crash on the front straight there right, in the right, Infinity yeah. race a few years ago. So that was that was pretty that was pretty intense and and especially because at that point in the track it wouldn't have been safe for barriers either. So uh, interesting times, but uh, you know 
seeing ovals come back, it's it's a good thing, and and they're they're exciting. They're they're fun to watch. They're a lot easier from an access standpoint in a lot of in a lot of sense because everything's so compact. It's right. It's all right there, uh, and it has a decent. I think it has a decent backdrop. I mean, it's not too far from where where the arch is. I don't think so. Um, I'm looking forward to being down there for the the first time next year. Well, if I see, uh, you'll you'll understand why. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Tony, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, it's, 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 you know, IndyCar is a long off season, but this is certainly keeping it entertaining. It's good to see that there's some changes and, and there's, they're kind of keeping a buzz going into Thanksgiving here so far. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, when you look again, there's, you know, throw a dart, there's 12, 15 drivers still in the running for those six, seven seats, you know, sages among them, you know, again, where's Montoya go? What happens to Munoz, Connor, you know, what happens at Foyt? Uh, you know, do any of the old guys come back? Does J.R. Hildebrand get an overdue shot? You know, the Matty Brabs, the, where does that Jones land? Does Carlin come up? I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. It's only October 15th, and, and we've got a long way to go, and a lot to still get figured out. All right, that was Tony DeZeno on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. After 80 years of helping Wisconsin homeowners, Great Midwest Bank knows a thing or two about helping you buy, build, refinance, or renovate. Visit greatmidwestbank.com. They're ready when you are. When we come back, we'll be talking with David Hobbs after a sports flash at the top of the hour. We'll get the latest on the happenings in Formula One. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On the web at MILWCAR.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.